0: online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan. I'm joined by our managing editor, Russell Johnson. I'm the publisher of jacketsonline.com. This is the Jackets Online podcast and uh, this week uh, kind of a weird week for Georgia Tech football. Um, the big news over the last couple days obviously since we were last joined you, Georgia Tech picked up a kicker via the transfer portal. Um, and then had uh, Longtime safety nickelback Caleb Oliver opt to transfer out as a grad transfer to go play somewhere else for either a year or two years. Um, and, you know, sort of, um, let's we'll start with the KO thing, which is the latest news. Um, you know, for Caleb, I understand it. He was in a weird spot. You have um, Wesley Walker, who kind of came on at that nickel spot last year, gets squeezed at safety a lot just because of, uh, sorry about that, get squeezed at safety just because of a lot of um, different players like, uh, you know, you have Tariq Carpenter and and E. Thomas and then Wesley Walker and Derek Allen and um, uh, Jalen King. Um, And then they have, you know, a lot of new guys coming in too. And then the possibility of moving Trey Swelling over the nickel spot could really squeeze some playing time there as well. So to me, it seemed like kind of an obvious move for a guy like Caleb to go somewhere where he can play, you know, 60, 70 snaps a game instead of playing maybe 30 to 40. Um, I don't know. Kind of what were your thoughts, Russell?
1: Yeah, I think you kind of you hit the nail on the head, you know, as I like to say. Um, I think, you know, Caleb's going to find a place where he can, you know, feature regularly in a, uh, in a scheme where his talent can be, be showcased. Um, you know, it was it, – you can really tell just based off of the statement and the reaction from all the players on the team that, you know, like it'll, a lot of kids like to say, you know, no love lost or anything like – stuff like that. But with Caleb, you can tell that, you know, he's going to get his degree. And he's going to use his year of eligibility elsewhere. And, you know, with Georgia Tech and the abilities that they have, you know, academically – I think that that's like a, a scenario that you're going to see quite a bit. You're going to see kids who graduate and go to use that last year elsewhere, whether they get passed on the depth chart by a talented recruit that the, they sign, whether it's in the transfer portal out of high school or other situations that can come up. Um, you know, That's a great opportunity, number one, to get the degree from Georgia Tech, and number two, to also still have the opportunity to you know, maximize your talents elsewhere. And, and I think, you know, kind of like what you were saying, Caleb is going to have a chance somewhere to, like I said, to play regularly. And that's not – that wasn't guaranteed this coming season. I
0: mean, it's sort of like the parallels with that running back position that we've talked about so much where, you know, they have four guys who would play at most schools uh, throughout the, you know, 132 – uh, FBS programs. Uh, a similar thing with the safety position. I know the production was not there last year, but I think some of that we could chalk up to COVID. Some of it's, um, you know, just weird situations like you had Tariq Carpenter coming off a pretty major injury and clearly wasn't himself. So, and, you know, pass rush issues and um, some issues in front of them with the linebacker spot. And so, to me, you know, I understand kind of um, why some fans are like, oh, I don't know. But, I mean, it's a loss. He's a guy who's an emotional leader on the team. Um, kind of brought a lot of the the chippiness and the fire um, for that group. Something that, uh, you know, fans enjoy watching. It was a guy who made some big plays, too, for them um, over the course of his career. And, and a really great kid. One of my favorite kids I've covered at Georgia Tech. Um, just a, a real great personality, fun kid. His mom's super cool. She's really active on, on Georgia Tech Twitter. Uh, Hope, shout out to Hope. And um, and to me, like, you know, I totally get where this is coming from. And this is going to be a, an ongoing kind of thing as we see the transfer portal become a bigger factor for, for recruiting, for um, the way kind of People look at things. I think you're going to see maybe kids be a little smarter about not transferring out as an underclassman, especially now that they're seeing how many kids don't get picked up. Because really, quite frankly, if you don't have film and you're not a defensive tackle or an offensive tackle, uh, you're going to have a hard time in the portal uh, as a transfer unless you have a really good relationship with somebody that's told you that they'll take you kind of you know back door so uh you know hopefully these kids will learn i think there's a lot of kids in a tough spot i was talking to jeff scott the former clemson coach who's at usf right now and he was telling me that you know he thinks there's going to be 1700 kids without a home uh in the transfer portal by the the, in terms of an fbs home um in terms of just post spring or whatever because of the way the math works so you know a guy like Caleb, he's going to land on his feet just because he's an older kid. There's a lot less danger taking him. He's played a lot. He has good film. He can show you. A lot of these kids don't, man. That's going to be tough. And flipping it around, um, coming in, and George Tech now set at the 85 uh, counters plus four that don't count for um, for 2021 as of right now. I guess uh, five because Bruce Swelling's still on the team. But they uh, pick up a kicker. What can you tell us about our uh, Georgia Tech's new kicker and pronounce his name for everyone now, uh, Russell?
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. This, I, I, there was a pronunciation guide on the Tennessee site, like the, the Tennessee like, official account, um, website. I, I believe it was Samaglia. You're going to make me pull it up. I, I can't remember, but I do know that, um, you know, going into the season, he was on the, uh, the watch list for the, the nation's top kicker. And he's, you know, been on the the all-conference list with the SEC. Uh, You know, I mean, he he seems to have the, the type of reputation and, for lack of a better word, resume that Georgia Tech needs to kick your position going into the season. Because so many times last season, you would see the play calling become, I wouldn't call it conservative, but you could definitely tell that things were changing, sometimes even being overly aggressive because you knew that you couldn't count on a 30-yard field goal, 35-yard I mean, like field goal. mean like when they goal. fake
0: punted from whatever it was, the 35-yard f- line because uh, yes. they couldn't kick a field goal? Yeah, stuff like that that drives people crazy was a result of the the mediocre kicking situation. And, and you know, Georgia Tech's been dead last and kicking in the last two years, so that was clearly going to be an area where jeff collins needed to make an immediate you know addressing because tech fans will forgive a lot of things but like when you don't cash in on easy points that's a hard hard thing to kind of look past and um yeah i you know to to me like i think this makes a lot of sense uh they have a little bit of scholarship uh space to take a guy like that he's basically kind of a one-year rental anyway. So buy yeah. some time for those young guys and they shouldn't leave. So you you'll have time to develop them, which I think is a big thing too.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It is C mag, C maglia. Okay, according nice. to the, uh, the great big orange website. Cool. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, you know, he had all the the honors, the accolades and stuff. Uh, it really just, he, he's got to live up to it. I mean, you know, for, for better or worse for him, he has got he's going to have expectations when he comes in. And um, how he handles that when he gets there and how he handles that in game situations is, is going to be big because not only is he going to be the, the guy in terms of kicking, he's also going to be the guy that the freshman kickers who are fr- going to be freshmen again this year, especially the one that missed, the entire year after his knee injury.
0: Steven Verdisco.
1: Yeah. These kids, they're going to be kind of looking towards him for for mentoring, for, you know, maybe even helping them with some technique they may have really struggled with in 2020. And, you know, it could become like an effect either where Georgia Tech could start taking these kind of kids every year if they need to. And uh, they've shown that they're not afraid to do so. But also that, you know, he could be someone who can help you know, kind of explain the nuance of, you know, special teams to to these kids and and show them what they were doing wrong or maybe even coach them.
0: Yeah. Confidence is such a big thing. I mean, even if you go back to when Harrison Bucker was a young kicker, at George check, his first two years were not, um, he was not the kicker he became later in his career. And you know, I think it can get in your head. They had some fundamental issues that got in, uh, got in the kicker's heads a little bit. And, you know, the kickoff piece improved. That was an area that everyone was complaining about after the 2019 season. They they bring in that Austin Kent kid from UCLA. He comes in and does a decent job. I know people weren't excited about that, but they were, like, in the middle of the pack in terms of kick coverage and kickoffs and touchbacks and all that. So um yeah, you know, hopefully this will there'll be a nice sort of a uh, band-aid because really, you know, they could have lost the Florida State game, quite frankly, if they had not got lucky, hit the field goal in that game. And then, um, yeah you know, there were several other games where it really did impact them where they didn't have kicking. And really over two years, it may have cost them a win or two, which is significant when you're, you know, winning three games a year right now. So, yeah. Uh, right. You know, there's there's a big difference, right? If you're five, six wins, versus, or if you're, say, won seven games, eight games in two years, and not six, like just the public perception of that's big. So it's important for them, and you know, they've embraced this moniker of wanting to win now, and they have that on their win on their off-season workout stuff, and I think that uh, it's something they're embracing and. You know something else that was kind of interesting. I thought we were going to be three weeks away from spring ball, but it looks like they're going to push that back a little bit more. Um, the The decision, in part, is sort of a twofold thing. One is you have players that are still banged up. The from talking to a lot of people across college football, the 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 length of the season last year, the lack of pre the the lack of normal training leading up to it and then also um the just the the grind they were in six months instead of like five or four and a half um kind of wore kids down so they're going to take a little more time for uh conditioning and those types of things and then get into the workout phase and then the other thing was um the ncaa extended the dead period so there was no need to go on the road you know i think that Coach Collins wanted to have as quick of a calendar as he could to then get his guys out on the road so they could have their normal practice window. But, you know, they would have started earlier with an idea of being open for April to go out on the road. But since that's not happening, um, you can kind of kick things back a little bit because you're going to be dead at least till June 1st. So, um, yeah, that's another weird side effect of this. And yeah, it, it, Russell's done a nice job on Twitter of kind of explaining to people. But it, it is funny to me that my buddies who coach at lower levels can have visitors, can go on the road, and do all those things, but mm-hmm. it's dead for the the schools that have the most resources to probably protect their coaching staffs and and student athletes. Um, and my thing is like I think you should be able to hold official visits. I think you can figure out a way to do that safely and test people and do all of those things and they're just choosing to not even do that and that kind of sucks because you know i can count i know like 100 kids that enrolled early that never visited the school they enrolled at like just off the top of my head from kids we knew from the last cycle like yeah find places or transferred places um None of those kids had really taken visits unless they took them as juniors, so or really early on. Uh, you know, it was one of the benefits of Georgia Tech was they had a lot of kids on campus for 2021 during 2019 as underclassmen. But that shit's wearing out now. Like they're yeah, they're done with um, most of the kids that have been on campus except for like really young ones that just maybe came to a game. So. Right. Uh, it's a tough spot now for all these schools. I was talking to a couple of coaches this week and they were telling me that, you know, they're sort of in, like, especially for new staffs newer than say Jeff's staff. There are a lot of these new coaching staffs are, are in tough water because they may not have any relationships with the local high schools that are in the recruiting area. Say if you're Josh Eiple and you just took over at to Tennessee, Tennessee recruits nationally there, but they recruit, You know nashville and memphis and um atlanta and really other than atlanta central florida wasn't recruiting those areas so that staff's now got to start at square one so he's hired some guys that have a little more experience recruiting those areas but you know for the other ones on their staff those guys are starting at square one and this is a time why that matters more than anything to me is this is a time when you need to be a coach be able to pick up a phone call the coach at while well, in high school and be like, hey man, who are your guys? Like, tell me the truth about X, Y, and Z and not get a BS answer, like on, or some dude trying to sell you on a kid. Yeah. Um, and and having those relationships to know, oh, I ain't calling the coach at such and such high school because he's just gonna you know, sell me his worst kid because if he has anyone good, he steers him to Bama or whatever it is. Like, yeah. all, there's so much politics that go on behind the scenes right now because of people not being able to do the eyeball test. And I had a coach like telling me praying that we had our rivals camp. So they would have something to go off of like for film because they didn't yeah. have summer camps.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, those are all sentiments I've I've heard quite a bit. You've got, you know, the the toughest thing right now is to get verified height and weight, you know, unless these kids are going to, to these, You know, these other camps people are putting on and setting up, or you know, playing in these like I don't know if you call them all American games, all state games, whatever you want to call them, these all star games basically, you know, where they're getting measured height and weight and stuff like that. You know, those that's a a situation that's become a a real issue is that you've got kids who will be, hey, you know what, yeah, coach, I'm 6'4, 205. He commits and signs to the school rolls early and he six one and one and a half 180 yep <laughs> and and you, you know you, you've got scenarios like that and situations like that and you know you were talking a little bit about how these coaches at lower levels can be on the road the thing that i've noticed quite a bit and heard quite a bit is that those coaches are talking to the higher level coaches so like their insights whether it's when they go in and do like these virtual workshops and stuff. You know, they may exchange notes on a kid or they may exchange notes on, you know, a situation or, or something like that. And it's, it's really, it's, I wouldn't call it a, a lifesaver, but it's something that has saved, you know, a lot of high-level Power 5 programs from taking a kid they may not normally take because they just don't know so all they can go off of is film. and and that's why you know last year they they were so pick a lot of schools were so picky at first, and then when the dead period got instituted and grew and grew and grew, and grew longer and longer, the, the what happened was was these schools started to take and squeeze these kids into committing, and you know a lot of the squeezed kids ended up signing because they didn't end up getting to go anywhere. You know, they kept saying their recruitment was open 100%. You know But one kid, I'm not going to say his name as much as it will upset people, he tweeted so many times his recruitment was open. He was hoping somebody was going to come, come at him and ask him to come visit their campus or do something. And they never did because they never like got to see him in person. and never got to see him camp. They never saw updated 40 times. They never saw updated shuttles. And all of these things kind of, um, just, they, they add up. And when you have all of these uncertainties, if you don't feel like all in on a kid, you shouldn't squeeze them.
0: No. And you know, this, this could lead to a really weird error from this 2021 class of like sort of some kids that shine that fell through the cracks. Like, I think that's going to be something that'll be really interesting to watch like at the lower g5 levels and in the FCS, are there like some stud kids that just totally fell through the cracks because they didn't get to camp or whatever i think we had four camps last year out of 12 or 16 that we normally do um we got like our two florida camps and then like one of our texas camps and something else and that was it because i remember the day that everything shut down i was um getting ready to fly that weekend to dallas for the rivals camp in dallas and um you know there were so many parts of the country we never even got to including atlanta um yeah so you know hopefully we will we're keeping our fingers crossed rivals doing their best to put together a camp season um at some point you know hopefully late spring um and Russell and I can get out. It's important for us, too, because it's our opportunity to look kids in the eye. I mean, that's where, you know, Jumeir Gibbs blew up. Um, a lot of really interesting kids have blown up from our camp series over the years. And it's kind of a cool thing. Even just on, it's been interesting even on other levels. Just, you know, um, you know, Guy rest of soul, Bryce Gowdy. That's where I got to hang out with him for a five-star um, and get to know that kid really well. Um, you know <laughs> one of the kids I had a lot of fun with actually many years ago was Leonard Fournette um, before we went to LSU was really a lot of fun really respectful young man there's a lot of kind of cool stories about different guys that were um, and kind of the weird characters you come across during um, those camps and then getting to see their personalities and a lot of fun stuff so for us it's important we like to go to those things we like to try to cover them and it helps deepen our relationships with those kids as well for uh, covering their recruitment and understanding kind of what's going on and, and having an understanding too of kind of like even how locked in somebody is and kind of yeah w- what their mindset is. And, you know, one of the big things that Russell and I do with these camps is like, we'll walk up and talk to all kinds of kids. Like we went up to Miles Murphy two years ago and we're like, Hey, you know just ask them about say georgia tech and you can tell immediately by their body reaction before they even say anything whether or not that kid's still interested or not you know that's how we're able to get a little bit of a read on jameer gibbs who didn't talk very much like um from from those situations so you know that's the important part of um, why we try to, to hit the ground a little bit um and and you know it's the same thing for coaches man like anybody can kind of bs you it's almost like online dating or something where like these people are you know talking to these young men and they're saying all the right things in the meantime they're talking to five other coaches behind their back about telling them how much they love them and then there's the one that they're secretly waiting on for them to respond it's totally like online dating man like now that i think about it um as somebody went through that uh many years ago like um it's totally like like a tinder match.com kind of thing like how the, these everybody's talking to multiple people and like there's all the stuff going on including the coaches and you're trying to like find your match or whatever uh your your commitment and that it's funny to me that that's um and it's so different because when you see someone face to face and talk to them, you can tell, I, I can tell you a thousand times, I've talked to somebody that's a source and they've been like, yeah, you know, I met with so-and-so and no, that kid's not a fit at our program or whatever. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and that's the first thing that I get asked when, say like a Caleb Oliver goes in the portal. Um, Russell and I will get asked from somebody at another school that might be interested just, like a background on them it's almost like um uh you know a job interview where they check your um reference yeah references you know almost works like that i have a lot of people reach out to me asking me about different kids over time and and it'll work the other way too of people ask me you know if i think so and so is a fit for georgia tech and should they bother getting in touch with that staff or not and i could tell them well you know they have a running back and I'm like, well, they're not taking a running back right now. Like that's not a freshman. Like, you know, they don't. So like, I would say, you know, go, maybe you should hit up school X that needs running backs that I know, um, is a little shy on them. Typically out of the conference or division, I will send people, but, um, you know, I'm not trying to backstab uh, Georgia tech in any way, but, um, like, That's right. sort of the, the beauty of like all the different stuff that, the weird things that go on behind the scenes. I joke with Russell like so much of our jobs is like stuff that never gets even like put on the site or we can write about or yeah, um, putting out fires. I mean like the Caleb Oliver story I sat on for almost two weeks, like um, and just wanted to let him tell his thing. Like I didn't want to be the guy to be like. Hey, they, you know, so and not on the roster anymore and he's gonna transfer and here's why. It wasn't my story to tell. It's Caleb's story to tell. Like Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make it's you know, it'd be different if it was in the season and they're playing games. At that point I feel compelled to you know, if a Mary Brown leaves or something, I I kinda have to write about that. But like You know, in the offseason, man, like, I'm not going to burn a kid, especially one like Caleb has been really good to me and is a good dude. Um, You know, there's we're going to, you know, respect his uh, desire to to tell his own story. So, you know, that's something that people, I think, don't think about. Um, Right now, the other thing, too, is a lot of teams are um, with 22 are going real slow. Um, If you look at who Georgia Tech has as a commitment, a local kid they know a lot about um antonio martin it's not a kid from california or a kid from the midwest or something that they don't haven't laid eyes on seen in person knows coaches all that stuff and i think you're going to see this early batch of commitments for different schools lean very hard on, on kids they know really well um and i think that's also why everyone's being so uh careful with their quarterbacks too is really the only ones that have come off the board are sort of no brainer takes for those schools. They haven't been like the guy who's maybe like the B guy on their board, you know, the fourth guy on their board. No one's taking that commitment right now. They're holding back and waiting to see um, more film or hope to see them this summer or whatever.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, between that and hoping to see some some spring footage, or some, some updated workouts. Um, I know, you know, there's schools schools who have like, you know, de- defined like peers of their of their board at quarterback. Like they're still not even locked in on that. Though. They're still, you know, talking to other quarterbacks who they haven't even offered yet. And um, that's something that a lot I've noticed a lot of schools are doing is is that you know, hey, we we may really like Tanner Bailey, for example. Like, several schools I, I know have. Uh, Really high on on Tanner. And they are also talking to other quarterbacks in complete other parts of the country just in case that, you know, let's say Tanner falls through. Like uh, our worst case scenario would be like for Georgia Tech, let's say. Um, This is going to end up like a five page thread on the board, by the way, Kelly. Prepare yourself. (laughs) Sam Horn goes to Missouri, MJ Morris goes to. Florida State, Tanner Bailey gets an Alabama offer, goes to Alabama. Uh, Braden Davis goes to, let's say he stays local and goes to Rutgers. And and you've got all of these things happening. And, you know, the last thing a, any program wants to do is to, to, to panic and all of a sudden reach out and offer two, two kids that, you know, they may have never talked to. And, like, that's something that, you know, at this stage, I think Georgia Tech sent out, like, maybe – Six or 722 offers today on Thursday when we were recording and um, all of these kids i talked to today they have had relationships with the coaches for a while and I can see that playing a role in the quarterback recruiting and the, the worst case scenario I kind of just drew up in my head um, I don't have I'm not changing my future cast on, on, on any quarterbacks I'm not putting any in it's not national Future Cast day. Um, I,
0: just,
1: <laughs> I just wanted to clear that out and you know just like a, a worst case scenario because there's there's quarterbacks all over the country who are, are still being evaluated you know Georgia Tech still really is likes the Taven Jackson kid from from Indiana. they like the the Kentucky kid Gavin Wimsat but Gavin Wimsat leaving I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but him leaving the state of Kentucky. <laughs> would be an upset. And then, you know, I mean, you, cause you've got the, the local powers who typically get these kind of kids, but like in the state of Ohio, for example, if the kid doesn't have an Ohio state offer, he's it's open season. He could go to Michigan. He could go to Michigan state. He could go to Clemson. He could go to, he could go anywhere. And um, you know, there's, there's a quarterback in Ohio here. His name is Drew Allard. He is—he's uh, got offers from all over the country, besides Ohio State, and you know he's somebody that I could potentially see them, you know, looking at down the road, depending on on what happens, um, both with with Aller's recruitment and also with with Georgia Tech's board. I mean, he's he's one of the, the top quarterbacks in the country, I would say.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a it's a weird situation for teams like that, and then Georgia Tech has the added issue of. Uh, Jeff Sims being not only a freshman again, I mean, not, you know, not being, sorry, being a young starting quarterback with multiple years ahead of him, but technically he's a freshman again. So like he could play four more years theoretically. So that also complicates the math uh, in terms of quarterbacks. And when you're looking at all those things and then looking at, at you know, the, the situation and. I think there's still a lot of people too that want to see what the offense looks like. Really, what is the meat and potatoes of the offense? What is because it's sort of been tailored uh, almost to the opponent week to week a little bit. It's sort of tailored for what they what the OC thinks they can do and against a set opponent and what the quarterback's capable of. Versus, this is our system. We're running X plays or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and so that leaves a little bit – and their quarterback recruiting has been all over the map, right, because you have Jeff Sims, who's this really athletic guy with a live arm and can run really well. And then you have, you know, Jordan Yates, who they signed the first year, who's a guy who has to have a moving pocket and uh, is more of a scrambling quarterback. And then you have Chayden Perry, who's not a runner at all. And yeah. Tucker Gleason, who could run okay. So, like, they're all over the place with their quarterbacks. So, it's like, what are you truly trying to do, right? Do you want a guy that's a pocket quarterback? Do you want to be able to run some option stuff? What are, are you trying to have a little of both? Do you yeah. want to have multiple quarterback styles? So that's those are all the things that come into play. And I, I talk about some boards. Some people get defensive about it. It's not necessarily a criticism. It's an observation, and it's something that other people are seeing outside of the program that, that um, becomes an issue in quarterback recruiting because they're cutting on the film and they're like, you know, okay, they're doing X, Y, and Z, but you know, and then like towards the end of this past year, they figured out to tell Jeff to run for the first time. Like they had had him kind of hang in the pocket a lot. And then they started using design runs And the same thing with James Graham. And it was sort of like, well, these kids could always run. Why do you not have that in the plan earlier? You know, like, so there's just a lot of, I think, um, uncertainty about all of that. Um, obviously a big season for the offensive coordinator at Georgia tech as well to kind of prove, um, sort of his ability to develop a quarterback right because you want to see in all fairness to to coach pad he has not had an older quarterback to develop that's fit at all his system at this point so now he has a guy in his second year that fits and can do enough of the things they want to do that they've made him the guy and gone chips in on him right like you know they could have Easily have played tux on last year and kept him around, or whatever they wanted to do. They've gone chips in on Jeff Sims, so it's like um, you want to see that level of development year to one to year two. It's like an NFL quarterback. Like when you see a rookie NFL quarterback, you want to see that big jump year one to year two. That's where you should see your biggest jump and improvement. Um, and will you see that? And that, that's sort of the big question I think a lot of us are, are kind of wanting to see with uh, with Jeff Sims going into year two. And I think that could also change the math a little bit for their quarterback recruiting if he comes out and they show, hey, yeah, we're developing this kid and he's, you know, looking really good and and that's where we're at. That that I think will attract more quarterbacks as well. But right now, it's you know, it's a little tougher of a sell. Um, and, you know, you have – an imperfect option in MJ Morris and Sam Horn, who probably got a little, little bit more better fit, but has probably better options at this moment. So, or comparable options that are um, maybe with more proven staff. I'll put it that way. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what, how this all plays out. Cause you can make fun of Missouri. They suck, but their offense has been pretty good. Like, they don't struggle to move the football, like, um, or, you know, some of these other schools and that are in that mix too. So it's like, and you're always at the mercy of what, you know, an Auburn or you Auburn with a brand new staff you have,
1: um, yeah, they have a a brand new staff, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: and well, but there can still be movement with those within those programs, even though Auburn got their quarterback is from South Carolina. Um, when they flipped gunner but like you know those things can change man like we got a long way
1: i'm
0: sorry yeah UGA flipped gunner. they flipped um yeah. who did auburn get they took uh
1: they took the kid from savannah Holden. Uh, oh Griner. that's right yeah 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 sorry
0: yeah so like when you look at how all those things play out they can change you know and mm-hmm. especially with no one having taken visits Um, There's a lot that can change between now and then. And, you know, say even with Gunner, right? Like, you know, what if JT Daniels does well and he's staying for two years? Like, he could potentially – he has two more years there if he wants. Like, you know, does that change his math? Like, and what are the – and I'm not saying Jordan Tech will get something like that. What I'm saying is there's a domino effect whenever one of those guys moves around, right? It changes – everyone else's board and it moves guys around and it, it may push someone that you like into your lap because they like someone that they think is a little bit better of a fit. And it may not even be there's a huge difference between them, right? Like you have one A and one B. Say let's say MJ and, and um and Sam Horn are one A and one B on the board, right? Um maybe you get one C as somebody else that falls into your lap that you would really like, but maybe he's not considering you right now. So I think a lot of schools are trying to stay open to see what's going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, if I were a quarterback, I would not be in a hurry. And it's such the opposite because half the time these quarterbacks are committed in like November of their junior uh, junior high school seasons Like, you know, uh, most teams would have several quarterback commits, um, you know, way out in front of everything to kind of lead the class and help them as an ambassador. And that's the first thing many staffs like to get out of the way is they figure out that quarterback and then build a class around that. That's not happening at all. Um, As a matter of fact, I'd be curious to see. I'll look this up while we're talking. How many of these the top few. quarterbacks? Have um, how many of the top quarterbacks in the 22 class are even committed right now?
1: I'm thinking. Nico's committed to Florida State. Gunner's committed to UGA. Wisconsin got I don't think a three-star.
0: So we'll go with the dual um, threats because that's the ones relative to probably what we're talking about a little more. Yeah. Um. So for 20, uh, let's give me 21. 21, 22. 2022. Let's see. See so you got AM as a quarterback. So out of the top top 12 right now, only two are committed. Yeah. Um WimSat's number one uncommitted. MJ's number three uncommitted. Um you have the kid at Lounge who's uncommitted. Uh Tavia Jackson who you're talking about, uncommitted. Um there's a kid in Memphis that's uncommitted.
1: David Carter.
0: Yep. And there's a kid there's a kid that's committing Saturday, I think, from Alabama. He's number eleven. And the kid from Osceola is number twelve. So that's just the dual threat guys, right? Um Yeah. And then if We wanna look at the pockets. They're pro style. I call them the pocket QBs. Pocket QB. Um, That's what we used to call them back in the day, man. Um there'll probably be a few more committed in that list, just those guys tend to be a little more so in the top.
1: Yeah, we got the kid Ohio State.
0: Top fifteen you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, so half of the top fifteen well under half are committed already. Yeah. Um but and... three, six, eight, nine, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen are undecided. Gotcha. Include Tim wow. Bailey and um, Sam Horn and the kid at IMG who has maybe the worst mugshot picture I've ever seen, <laughs> AJ Duffy. Go look it up. Oh yeah. get a chance it's uh, He looks like a stereotype guy that would be in like a New York pizza place making a pizza with like a gold chain on.
1: Oh gosh.
0: It's a uh, not a not a great look for him. Wonder. Who took that one? Uh, probably should have taken the <laughs> chain in. Um, and then you even got like guys like AJ Swan and yeah. you know, Bryce Archie and some of the other guys that are a little bit further down that list that are also and Drew who you were talking about is at twenty five. So I mean out of that entire twenty the list goes to I think thirty and I think there's seven committed out of the thirty or something like that. Or no, it's nine yeah. out of thirty. So
1: Yeah, it's still still less than what we would normally see.
0: No, like a year I bet if I looked at it a year ago, it would be like ninety percent of them were committed by this point. Yeah. You know. Right. Except for the coaching change ones and like a couple. So
1: Yeah. And
0: when did uh when did Peary commit? I don't even remember.
1: June, May? Hold on.
0: And his was a little bit longer because he was out in California and he wanted to visit.
1: Yeah. And then he he came and visited with his family. Yep. He committed May 25th.
0: But yeah, sorry. Here it backs up my point, right? So I'm looking at the 2021 one. So normally, um, this is what it would look like. So the number one guy was vandegrift who committed in january of 2020 so he was um would have been committed by now right sam yeah. uh Heward committed in november of 2018 for the 2021 <laughs> class kyle mccord committed in april of 2019 jj mccarthy committed in uh may of 2019 i think he's already transferred out hasn't he or is he the one that transferred? No, I'm thinking of it. No, no, that range. was Joe Milton. Um, uh, let's see who else was early. Uh, North Carolina's quarterback, the May Kid, uh, Carlos Del Rio was a 2019. Nope. Um, yep. Jake Rubley was a New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, 2019. Uh. Aether committed South Carolina in March of 20, um, 2019 for the Minnesota quarterback. I mean, yeah. Wake Forest quarterback was January of 2020. T, uh, Wisconsin and TCU's quarterback were both of the summer of 2019. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a little more. That's, that was a little bit more of. So, that's was like half the class was signed um, yeah. by this point or committed.
1: Design. There's still going uh, to be a few dominoes that need to drop, one way or another, before Georgia Tech's going to get their first quarterback. And I think for a lot of fans, that's kind of hard for them to to grasp because lately I've noticed that you know the the fans kind of have a different perspective on the situations kind of that we're talking about right now than what is reality. You know, we're we're talking about how there's so much fewer co- quarterbacks committed now than there was this time last year, but in their head, they see Auburn has a quarterback, UGA has a quarterback. Oh my gosh, what are we doing? And and they get this kind of they get that mindset to where they're like, you know, hey, let's just pick one and go. But what it seems like the Georgia Tech staff has done is, you know, they've remained patient. You know, they just offered Tanner a few weeks ago. They could still offer several other quarterbacks and you know that they, they could be fine with them uh, but just you know being patient like all of these schools are i mean you got to wait to see what Alabama's going to do you got to wait to see what clemson's going to do because if if your quarterback does not have anything to do with alabama or clemson's recruit, like domino effect then you're probably not recruiting the right quarterback
0: yeah and, and that's a position where it's okay to be in that that sort of um Think because quarterback is one of the ones that's a little more, um, tends to be a little easier to evaluate, to be honest. It's there's not the boom and bust that you find with like linemen or whatever, it's sort of pretty, pretty similar to what you get when you see them on the field, like what you saw in high school, and, um, you know, and their ability to learn things. And that's where the camp thing's really interesting for us because, you know, we see kids, um, I, there was a kid that had a georgia tech offer last year i think i talked about in this one of the podcasts yeah but he stunk it up at one of our camps and georgia tech a lot of other schools dropped him because it was clear he struggled and just um past skeleton stuff and that was a bad sign because it wasn't even like he was struggling with you know he was struggling to throw the rat tree. like it was not just a um with corners on him in a seven on seven or one-on-ones it was just some basic throw stuff and mechanics and that's where film can lie to you a little bit because the dude would like run all over the field to make a throw like mike vick but it wasn't really when you kind of looked at it you realized the ball wasn't that great and you know the dude was wide open because the entire defense was converging on him uh, to defend him. So a guy was just like, you know, 10 yards behind somebody or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, those are the things you got to evaluate. And I think that, um, it'll be interesting to see who ends up being in this class and it's, you know, if they're with the plan to make it a two quarterback class, it makes it even more interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, you know, something else I was talking about on the board this week was the fact that, um, you know, their two quarterback situation is different than say the quarterback situation of Florida state where Florida state doesn't have a defined starter and somebody who they are expecting to start. And it's kind of ironic that Florida state is a school I'm using because, you know, for so long, Jeff Sims thought he was going to be the next guy for Willie Taggart there at Florida state. Um, But Sims has, he still has five years to play for. And, that's something that I don't, a lot of people don't seem to, to fully understand is that, you know, you're not going to get two four-star quarterbacks who are going to be like, Hey, you know what? We're all in on Georgia tech. We're we're good to go. We're going to, we're going to beat Jeff Sims and we're going to beat the other guy. They sign. That's yeah, not so what it's tr- going to be like.
0: The, the truth is they're going to sign probably one go quarterback. And one guy is a little bit of a project. Yeah. Um, to be verbally honest about it. A kid that's, You, you know, has a lot of upside, but maybe is a borderline P5 guy coming out of high school or um, it's just maybe a guy who fell through the cracks. Like, I mean, that's let's be honest, that's how they ended up with Jeff Sims. He, they make a coaching change at Florida State. He finds himself opened up. Georgia Tech has an extra quarterback spot and it makes sense. And they take him, right? Because Lucas Johnson left and they had an, an extra quarterback spot and they needed to quarterbacks so you know they had been chips in on tucker gleason so even if you're the second guy it doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be the guy if you can come out and work and figure it out i think jeff was pretty raw and he figured it out and and basically one off season jumped everyone on the team because he just worked his ass off and learned the offense and came in and had a was really comfortable had a good command of everything and that made a huge difference for him. So, you know, that's how you got to look at it. They're not going to take two rivals, two fifty 50 quarterbacks like that. Even Clemson would struggle to do that or Alabama. Like yeah. no one's coming in that situation with another big time name. Like it's just not happening unless it's a situation where someone comes in January or something or there's coaching right. change. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they do pull back and wait and see, who they can get. Maybe they take a transfer at the second spot. That, those are all going to be possibilities as well to kind of keep an eye on. Um, they don't necessarily have to sign two high school quarterbacks. They could take a transfer even if the, the right person becomes available. So it's an ever evolving thing. This is the one thing we always try to warn people about because they get upset when something doesn't happen. Like we figured that MJ would be committed at this point because originally it looked like that was the plan But they were also planning to be on the road in January doing evaluations. Yeah. They didn't plan for COVID to last this long. So things change, man. It is the nature and the number one thing in recruiting. And you have to be flexible. Nothing's in stone. Um, You know, I think that um, Jeff Sims is a great example of that, just with what happened with him at Florida State. You know, he was the sort of focal point of Willie Taggart's class. And ends up not going there after a coaching change. So You just never know what's going to happen. You got to be, being flexible gives you the opportunity to bring in a Keon White or a Devin Cochran or to bring in a Jeff Sims or whatever. And that's something I give this staff a little bit of credit for. They've managed to kind of keep some spots handy for when those opportunities arise versus maxing out early, trying to play the, um, trying to play the rivals game of winning the recruiting rankings. And instead, this last cycle, they address their needs to make them a winning football team in the short term rather than just, you know, punting and, and rebuilding like they're an NFL team that's playing for draft picks. They're not. They're, there's no benefit to that for them to, to punt off another season and be bad for another year because it's going to end up costing them and recruiting. So, you know, put your chips in, take your Keon Whites, take your Devin Cochran's. Take some calculated risks with a Kenyatta Watson or a Kevin Harris, and and build your team to win now. And that's, I think, with expectation. It would be really interesting to see if they can pull it off.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, switching gears a little bit. Don't want to keep this going too long, but uh, basketball, obviously, kind of a sucky week with the you know win the pick game bc game gets knocked out they don't play the worst team in the conference right now georgia tech has played the hardest acc schedule according to ken palm and yours truly who's also looked at the numbers they played more games against the top half of the league than anyone else and less games against the bottom half of the league than anyone else uh they travel to miami who's battling wake forest for the second worst team in the acc this year uh you know like wake forest they have a pulse they can beat you if they get going Uh, It should be a tough game. Jordan Usher's back, healthy. It's hard to win on the road in the ACC. Then they may or may not play Virginia Tech next week. Um, They could play Notre Dame. They could play the BC game and move some stuff around. They could play the NC State game and move things around because there's multiple teams down with COVID issues right now. So uh, that one's all up in the air about what they're going to – I think the last two weeks of the season is going to be literally – Maybe three, four days out, we know if we're lucky, who's playing who. Maybe two days out. Yeah. So
1: That's crazy um, to think about.
0: Yeah, so they can move Tuesday's game to Wednesday, play somebody else. They could play here. They could play on the road. Um, it just all depends on if Virginia Tech's ready to go or not. So we should hopefully have a little bit better of an understanding by Sunday of where they stand, their timeline, right. and then – That game moves forward, and if they try to add a game on the 25th, that Thursday, and play, um, and maybe move the Q's game back or something, so we're tip it later than noon on Saturday. So there's a few options there. Uh, baseball gets started today, uh, as we'll be posting this on Friday. Um, Russell will be covering um, baseball remotely, uh, just due to the way things are kind of set up. I may go to a few key series as things go along, depending on how the team does. We may have Bronston go to some games here or there. So um, kind of your thoughts as you gear up for your first season of covering Georgia Tech baseball, Russell.
1: I mean, it's uh, it's very, I wouldn't say different. Um, you know, everything's become so normal with Zoom. Um, but just hearing Danny Hall the baseball coach talk about you know everything and expectations Um, i think a lot of people were a a little bit surprised that they were going to put Barnicki's going to close at least for this weekend and that um, nobody was really expecting sammy crawford to be the the weekend one of the weekend starters Um, again hall said that that was just for this weekend Um, but really the thing that's going to happen the next I would say the, these first four games, because you've got this weekend series, you've got Mercer, and then you've got boom, conference play. There's no like, you know, really lag period or, or time where you can see who's going to step up and see who's going to get hot. So, you know, you're going to have to put in the freshman. You're going to have to put in Kevin Corrada who everybody is, is talking about. The the hype machine for him is was almost is almost so high right now that it, it, it's really understandable why Hall talks up the, the other catcher as much as he did, because, I mean, this, this freshman, you know, who like nine times out of 10 would be in, an, in a major league spring training, probably, or at least at the minor league spring training for, like, an organization, um, it doesn't have that happening because the MLB draft was the way it was, and then you've you've got him, you've got, Marquise Grissom Jr., who, you know, I'm really excited to see. It sounds like he's going to start either um, in the pen or he could potentially end up starting the the Mercer game next week. Um, It it just, you know, there's a lot of excitement around the the baseball program. And back when I first joined, um, back when Collins first got to Georgia Tech, there didn't seem to be anywhere near as much, but no pun intended, about the, the baseball program and since you know Ramsey's got there and Danny Borrell's got there and um, there's just been a lot more excitement uh, they seem to be recruiting better um, it, it's just going to be a, a, a it seems like it's going to be a really good season
0: yeah it's kind of interesting they went from sort of this point where they had lost a lot of momentum and the truth be told a lot of what did um Danny Hall's teams and for that sort of stretch where they were not very good um, for several years was injuries. Like they had a lot of injuries, particularly on their pitching staff. And I think they've figured out some of that stuff they've had. um, They've been able to survive the, you know, they've still had injuries. And I think that's still really common, but they've been able to overcome some of them and not be so have them be so catastrophic when they lose a starter, they're able to, kind of maneuver around that, or if they lose a position player for the season, they're able to to have enough depth now to absorb a little of that. And um, this would be interesting to see. I think they benefited a lot from kind of having the season called early last year and, and getting enough experience for the young guys, but also um, being able to, to give everyone that extra time to kind of heal up. And, yeah. and start to have um, a healthy rotation again and a little bit of bullpen depth. And it'll be interesting to see how good this team is uh, this year and can they compete. And I'll be fascinated to see how baseball does in terms of, you know, COVID stuff versus like basketball and some of the other sports, like how many weird series do we see? Do we see things get shut down or not? Or how do they handle Yeah. That?
1: Oh yeah. I'd agree hundred percent, you know, you We're know, talking about the health, you know, from the sounds of things, Brent Herter's um, back to 100%. And um, he
0: hasn't it's, pitched in been... like three years. Like, yeah. I mean.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been a while. He
0: pitched the first half of the season where they went to, so two years ago. Two, so it's been almost two and a half years since he was fully healthy.
1: Yeah. And uh, he, the, the reports have been, you know, glowing reviews, uh, you know, Really excited to, to I like, see him face somebody not wearing navy or white is what I continue to hear. Uh, you know, just seeing how his stuff's gonna move and you know what his is gonna look like. And I mean, Eastern Kentucky isn't isn't exactly a juggernaut in their conference, but they're also not like a, a pushover. Like we're not a, like the media isn't expecting them to beat Eastern Kentucky like ten to zero or anything like that. They're not going to shut him out. I mean, there's it, it's going to be a a game at least Friday night, or at least Friday night should be because there's going to be rust. There's going to be a lot of rust. Um, you know, as much as you can try to to replicate a game situation, it's not it's not doable. I mean, it's not it wasn't doable in in football. It wasn't doable in basketball. I mean, Georgia Tech fans could could tell you all about the first two games of the season.
0: Hey. Yeah, that was uh, something that shall not be repeated, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, but, um, you know, I talk about hype and, you know, just this, I think it was today that uh, Luke Waddell got put on the the, the Golden Spikes uh, watch list. And, you know, that's something that he's he's been really excited about. And, you know, getting him back was another really big addition because, you know, you talked about how they were beneficiaries of, you know, the season ending early last year. Um, it, I really wonder, um, just looking at the roster and looking at, you know, the draft picks, you know, Baron Radcliffe and um, Goldberg, and then Jonathan Hughes ended up with the Phillies too. Uh, you know, those three, like, I just wonder how far they could have carried the, the, the 2020 team because, you know, outside of that, it was just about as young as they are now. But there wasn't that, like, there wasn't the volume of talent that they have on the roster this season. And, you know, going into tomorrow and into ACC play next weekend, you know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. But there seems to be, you know, like there seems to be glue going into the hole. There seems to be a nail going into the hole, I guess is the way to put it. And just finding a way to hammer it in is, is what's got to be done. You know, they, they were able to, to land two Vanderbilt transfers. And you had Malloy, who's going to be the starting third baseman. And you have Chance Huff who is going to be in the, in the bullpen and, you know, seeing how they kind of fit in. I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting weekend and, you know, uh, I've always loved baseball. Baseball has been like, you know, one of my favorite sports. So, so getting the chance to, to actually like do that and cover it at the same time is going to be, should be cool. Should be good. I'll be, yeah.
0: uh, it'll be exciting. Be, we're to cover it all weekend on, on Jackets online.
1: Yeah, Absolutely and uh you know to avoid flooding everybody's twitter from my personal account you know i'm going to be you know handling it from the the jackets on twitter Uh, if you don't don't follow that i highly recommend you do so
0: cool i think that wraps us up russell we've gone for over an hour and something and um i think we've covered everything that needs to be covered we'll be back we'll obviously have a better idea of kind of where things stand with basketball um this point next week and then uh, have an idea a little bit about the baseball team and kind of how rusty they were and not rusty and all of those sorts of things so um, for us to answer the thing, this has been